What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Culture FC, the weekly soccer show where we talk all culturally relevant soccer topics. That includes music, politics, fashion, everything happening off the pitch, none of the stuff happening on it. I'm Alan, and I'm here by my lovely co-hosts, Brennan and Louie. And this week, we talk about the National Women's Soccer League. You may or may not have heard of it. It's the league where the women's a lot of women's stars like Alex Morgan... Sydney LaRue, Megan Rapino, all play their club football for. We dive a little bit into the history of the league, how it's come to fruition, and where we see it going. We also talk about some of the current issues that are facing the league and what it takes to bring the league to the same level as the MLS. As always, be sure to leave us that five-star review. Hit that subscribe button so you get our episodes in your podcast library every week every monday on the dot be sure to share this with your friends family anyone you know that may be interested in hearing about some of the cultural topics related to the beautiful sport we love also be sure that you follow our instagram at culture f.c a lot of behind the scenes pictures videos some cool stuff that you won't actually get to hear or see here in the podcast and for those of you that actually like to see things visually make sure that you subscribe to the treble youtube channel we post the video version of this podcast you'll get to see our our beautiful faces every week if you have any questions comments or concerns be sure to leave us a comment in the comment section or email us at contact at treblewear.com that is contact at t-r-e-b-l-w-e-a-r.com and let's get into this week's episode boys another week another podcast it's good to be back beautiful day weather's getting nicer oh yeah i think i'm gonna go for a run today it's like so nice oh look at you yeah going for runs yeah not me not me Um, okay this week we're actually bringing back the uh three weekly talking points before the episode i think some people have missed that catch them up on some culturally relevant soccer news so lou you want to start us off today hell yeah i do so First one, this one's very interesting because if you've ever played soccer in your life, you've owned a pair of Sambas. If, is that a fair statement to make? I'm I pretty have sure a pair everyone now. has owned a pair of Sambas if you've played soccer. Really, dude? I don't think I have. Wow, <laughs> that's sad. Well, that's like no, a but, but I agree that most people have. I just don't think I have. And like the most <laughs> common soccer shoe I can ever think yeah, of yeah, is think of that. an it's Adidas like Samba. Yeah, yeah, and the Samba. Yeah, so. That isn't a cleat. It's Let's like say a vast majority of people <laughs> yeah. who have played soccer own uh, have owned a samba. <laughs> and recently, it, it, the samba's kind of stayed the same throughout most of its existence, but recently Adidas created a prime knit version of the samba, and it is so good looking that I can't wait to get my hands on one. Yeah, Yeah, you sent us the picture of it the other day. I hadn't seen it, and it's so dope. I love the prime knit stuff. Yeah. Like in general, it's it's super futuristic, like anything that, they, that you put it on. Um, so for them to kind of reinvent the, the Samba with that, it's still super casual and super go with the flow. Uh, like I, the Sambas, I think, are like one of the most easily versatile shoes there are out there. I mean, people that don't even play soccer rock them. But the prime knit just gives them that added level up because they needed a little little boost it basically just brings the samba into like 2018 yeah right because i mean a majority of shoes today are like knitted shoes um and so i think it 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 basically revitalizes a shoe that's been around for so long and brings it into the modern age do you think it it'll ruin its actual ability to play in i think that's the samba's like ability like Uh. to be street and also play in I, I don't know how the primate holds up in terms hmm. of, like, quick cuts, because that's what indoor is a lot. I mean, it's a lot of quick kind of side-to-side movements. I wonder if it's kind of going away from that, though, because to me, the primate, when I think of that, it's like some running shoes have that, but you're not really have to worry about side-to-side no con- movement. There's no contact either yeah. when you're running. It's right, just it's kind of just that forward momentum. Yeah, I think it must just be for style, because, you know, I have, my pair of Sambas are super durable. I've had them for years and years and years, and they're so durable. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I think they might. I don't. Th- I think they're doing it just for the the, the appeal. 
for the appeal, like yeah. the the look of it, the style. Yeah. But something I actually just read, I didn't know this, but the Samba is Adidas' second best-selling shoe of all time after the Stan Smith. Wow, mm-hmm. I believe that. I, um, I can totally believe it. I just didn't know, like, yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah, no, that's, that is. It's huge. I will say that I think it would be affected by soccer. I played in shoes that have like the kind of knit. And it's just the it, the thickness of the material is not there enough to like. I mean, you guys, your, I know f- your foot slips around too much. Yeah, there's the, not enough hold. But yeah. what about the touch though? Is my question like, does it feel more natural because it, it, you? Cause yeah, I, I, I guess it like would feel a little bit more natural because there's not as much material there, so you have better yeah. ball feel. But I just feel like when you make contact with yeah. the ball, there's not yeah. a lot of material unless like you're used to playing like bare feet, which yeah. you guys are. <laughs> um, but I feel like. I'd get it, but I probably wouldn't use it so much. Yeah. Oh no! If I, I bought I these, it, yeah. I'm not. I'm once I, I, once I, I buy these, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't want to put the. I'm not going to be playing in the actual mileage on them like that. Yeah. Like to But they are sick. Yeah. Moving on to the second bit well, of news for the. Sorry, I'm just reading a quick review on the Adidas website. Yeah. Um, uh, the sole is the correct size, same as the regular Samba, but the knitted material has zero support and stretches yeah, so much they don't even stay on my feet. Yeah. Oh, it's like wow. walking around in flip-flops. The laces <laughs> just for show. No amount of tightening will secure these to your feet. If you walk more than 20 steps a day, this this is not a great <laughs> more option. More than 20 steps a day. I'm keeping him since I'm a bit of a collector, but probably won't wear them much out of the house. Oh, then Yikes. This dude just <laughs> ripped into him. Then the other, only other review is the prime knit upper, super comfortable. Your foot slips right in, yet with the adjusting of the laces, they'll stay on all day. Oh, so, so take it with a grain of salt, review. guys. Yeah. Will I buy him? Probably. <laughs> I will let you know once Better I Better than leaving you like a one-star review for shipping. I hate when people leave reviews for, for something that has nothing well, to do with the product. <laughs> it's like... You can't get them now. It took, it took five days <laughs> instead of three days to get them oh, here. Yeah, that might just be your freaking UPS guy. Yeah, right? Just tell me how they actually... The thing holds up. But, but um, yeah, they're, they're the biggest size is eight right now, so... That's yeah, they already eight. sold out? Yeah, they only oh, have... That's it's great. Any... It's five... Oh, wait, no. The white ones go up to nine and a half. Ooh, nine and a half. Oh, and the black one... No. And the black ones only go up to an eight. Hmm. All right. I always wanted a pair of white Tombas. <sighs> I might have to... Check your eBay's. You can check out right now, dude, during the podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> so moving along to the second bit of news for this week. Hurley creates World Cup-inspired shorts. Really? This is super cool because Nike actually bought Hurley a few years back. And for you, for those of you guys who don't know Hurley, Hurley is the surf uh, surfing brand. Um, and they've always made really cool surfing stuff. I've known about them for a little while because I used to pretend like I liked surfing until I actually <laughs> went surfing and almost died. Um, but it's actually really cool. So basically they took all of Nike's uh, World Cup teams that they make jerseys for and basically created corresponding shorts for them like uh, board shorts and they kind of followed the same pattern as the jerseys that nike had created for each of these teams so for example like the usa ones are navy and they have the, the lighter blue stripes across the same way that the new uh nike u.s jerseys have the uh, nigeria ones have that same amazing pattern that are on the jersey except that i don't like how they have the like, two bars that say niger i don't yeah. know what it means but it kind of breaks up the pattern so i dislike that part um but it's really cool just because i love seeing brands that have really nothing to do with soccer yeah be inspired by soccer sure you could say that they are part of nike now so it is kind of the same thing but at the same time they are a surf brand you know they they really don't usually have much to do with soccer but it's just kind of cool yeah that they did it i saw leaked images of they were uh, supposed to come out with brazil ones they didn't um disappointingly but they they looked dope but the australia one is my favorite one the australia one's i sick. love the pattern on it yeah. yeah it's kind of like the waves or whatever whatever they inspired but the I, they're like sixty five bucks, which for board shorts that's kind of uh, in the in the ballpark of yeah. like premium kind of board shorts. But they're dope. I, I really liked them. I wish they came out with a Brazil one. I probably would have bought them. The USA ones are they're, are they're decent, but they have a couple t shirts too. Yeah, they made yeah. shirts that correspond yeah. with them. The shirts are one hundred percent cotton and forty dollars. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so probably not gonna yeah. get any. Of <laughs> Although I do like the lettering, the the font on the back. Yeah. Looks kind of uh, West Coast. Yeah, and we'll throw all the links for this guys in the in the p- show notes. So no worries, you can kind of follow along as we're as we're talking. Peruse about it. at your leisure. Yeah, sixty five dollars, yeah. dude. No, 
I can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Well, I'd go to the beach and I, like if I were a surfer, bro, and I was just at the beach. Kind but of even then, like I'd go buy a pair of Patagonia baggies for Did 55 you? bucks. I don't know if I'd surf in those. Oh, I would. Really? Yeah, dude. They come with a liner. They're bathing suits. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I know. Okay. So, yeah, moving on to the third and final topic before we get into the main the main show. Reem Sterling kind of is following on this recent trend of pro footballers, and he hopped on to YouTube. So he is now a YouTuber officially. He has two... two Whoa, my bad. <laughs> clicked on one of the videos. <laughs> he has two videos up on his channel and interestingly enough his first two videos he partnered up with ksi which is like the most famous fifa youtuber he's kind of the guy the first guy that hopped into the fifa youtube scene if you haven't listened to our fifa episode go back and listen to that because it was a good one but yeah i think it's it's pretty interesting and cool to see him not only kind of getting into the youtube scene but also immediately jumping into kind of one of the heavyweights in in the youtube uh network and it's really cool to see because it, it's it's he's not the first because i think the first uh youtube soccer football star that i know of was uh marcelo yeah. from real madrid he created a channel last summer and yeah. he's been trying to up his personal brand through youtube and you, you actually see this with a lot of different people trying to yeah. they see the power of youtube in, in in personal branding and stuff like that and they are really trying to you know create their personal brand outside yeah. of just football so maybe that once they leave football they have something to fall back on yeah. or something to build their brands with yeah. right so it's really cool to see these players trying to leave their little space to expand into the greater pop culture realm um yeah and his first two videos even at that are aren't even super soccer related no it's yeah. like one's past the ox and yeah. like what's what's ksi's music yeah. tastes like yeah. and the other one's like ksi sent usain bolt what like yeah it's super it's super youtube and like it almost gives the vlogger that, vibe yeah and it gives the the fans of raheem sterling even more so yeah. reason to like kind of connect with yeah. him yeah i mean he's got 1.7 million views on one video that's and nine hundred thousand views on the other and he, and he released them a week ago <laughs> yeah so it has like, 180 000 as a group subscribers. of people who has been trying to grow a youtube channel it is not fair <laughs> <laughs> like, I get it. He's <laughs> famous. It's cool. But, like... Go follow us. Go yeah. subscribe to us. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, no, but in all seriousness... Gotta get Raheem on here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's really awesome. I like seeing players, you know, try to step outside their bounds and really uh, try to build their personal brand through yeah. YouTube, through Instagram, through... Because, I mean, Instagram is the more common one where yeah. a lot of people have done it. Um, but well, who's the other guy? Rio? Rio Ferdinand has Rio a YouTube Ferdinand channel? Has one. Um, I'm sure there are others that I just can't think of right now, but Rio's is pretty cool. And, and, and what's cool about theirs, too, is that because they have so much money, they they kind of get some really good production value on their stuff oh, yeah. while still being pretty personal, which is cool. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see what he comes up with. He only has, you know, two videos, so it'll be cool to keep an eye on, on him to see what uh, what he posts, if he goes super viral with something, you know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I, I like the idea of it, and... Kind of wish more of them would do it. Yeah. Um, because I, we're, I we're in a we'll day. see that trend, though. Because we're in a day and age where everyone's so connected anyway. And in reality, you could be building your brand by, yes, being a player. But at the same time, if you're not connecting on a personal level through mass media, yeah. which I know it sounds weird to say, like connecting on a personal level through social media, but that's kind of what it is. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're giving people insight into your life. You're giving people, you know, a little behind the scenes look. And that connects with people. It makes people want to like you more. Yeah. And so... I think it's really cool that he's doing it, and so I hope other 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 footballers follow that trend. Yeah, absolutely. But okay, being that we're all set with the topics of the week, let's jump into the episode. Start talking some NWSL. Yeah. So the goal for this episode is really to cover a little bit of the history of the NWSL and actually women's professional soccer in general, as well as highlighting what makes the NWSL different from these other women's professional leagues that have existed in the past in the u.s that just didn't work out so for those of you who don't know the nwsl is the national women's soccer league it is the highest level of professional soccer for women in the united states they currently have they currently have nine teams with the boston breakers unfortunately folding this past year which is a little sad because i know you had some connections with them you worked yeah. for their uh, academy basically you you were a coach for the younger girls in their younger yeah. girls in, in their academy um 
kind of sad to see a team fold so close to us. It was really, you know, really down the street from us. 20 minutes yeah. down the street, we could have gone to a game and all this stuff, and now they're gone. And they had been one of the longest-standing franchises in women's professional soccer. They have been in, in every iteration of women's professional soccer in the U.S. They've been a part of it. They've been existing for a while. We had a good friend, Bella, who played for them. Um, and so it's really sad to see them fold. Yeah, We were even toying with the idea of buying season tickets. We that. were toying with yeah. the ideas of buying season tickets. Um, they collapsed soon after that. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> a week, like a couple, Yeah, like a, a couple week. days later. Don't blame us for it. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that being said, you know, the NWSL does still boast some of the world's best players. For example, you have Marta, the Brazil legend, who has won five uh, best player in the world awards in a row. Was it in a row? I'm not sure. So. She won five best player in the world. And then you have all of the different uh, standouts of the U.S. Women's National Team. Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd, etc., etc., etc. They all play in the NWSL, not to mention Christine Sinclair from Canada. They really put a, a good product on the pitch. So I kind of want to dive right into the history of women's professional soccer. And so back in 2001, the WUSA, or the WUSA, uh, played three full seasons before it got suspended in 2003. So this was, the, I believe, the first attempt at a women's professional league in the United States. And unfortunately, it lasted three seasons, and they had a five-year budget of $40 million, which they spent by their first season. Wow. And so... <laughs> Where are uh, the accountants on? Yeah. Needless Jeez. to say, their television ratings nor their attendance actually met any f- of the forecast they had, and so the league folded. And then they folded in 2003. By 2009, the women's professional soccer was created. It was WPS, which was then going to be the replacement for the top-level soccer. And this one had looked like it had a lot more promise. There were a lot more teams. There were some you know, more millionaire owners. And then... Through some legal battles with an owner of Magic Jack, which, side note, the guy bought a team. He renamed it from, I think it was the Western New England, Western New York Flash, and renamed them Magic Jack, if I'm not mistaken. I could be <laughs> wrong about which team he renamed. But he renamed it after a product. So they were known as the Magic Jack. They weren't known as, like, uh, it wasn't Magic Jacks. <laughs> it was literally the Magic Jack. What is the, a Magic Jack? Magic Jack is a voice-over-the-internet protocol service. Hmm. So, in other words, it, I don't know if anyone knows about pyramid schemes, but several pyramid schemes have been built on top of VoIP, VoIP services. Guy, yeah, yeah. And Magic Jack, I'm not saying they were a pyramid scheme, but they were a VoIP service. And so they had a huge legal issue with the owner of the Magic Jack. <laughs> it sounds so wrong to yeah. say. Uh, they are not a team. You cannot call your team Magic Jack. But okay, basically through that, and not to mention... They had a bunch of other issues in terms of of financial issues, and they ended up folding in 2012. But then, shortly thereafter, they created the National Women's Soccer League, which is what we're talking about today. And what made this a little bit different is that uh, all of the different federations realized that the past two attempts hadn't worked. So they, being the United States Soccer Federation, the Canadian Soccer Federation and the Mexican Soccer Federation, they essentially all came together and said, okay, cool, so we what we're going to do is to make sure that our star players come to play in the U.S. and not go play in Europe where they have more money. We will pay all of the salaries of our national team players. So in other words, uh, the team that Alex Morgan is currently on, which she moves teams a lot, so I actually don't know what she's on. <laughs> right now, I don't know if it's still Orlando or not, but basically... She gets her salary paid not by her team, but by the U.S., uh, the United States Soccer Federation. They yeah. pay her salary. Yeah. And then, that being said, you know, Christine Sinclair gets paid. She plays on the Thorns, but the Thorns don't pay her. Yeah. The Canadian Soccer Federation pays yeah. her salary. So that's one of the main reasons that makes this different from the other attempts at a league. It's kind of what kept them alive. It the is what kept them alive over the past couple years. And able to attract these star players. Which was actually a huge issue because financially before, there was no intervention from any federation. It was just an issue of, okay, here's the league. You guys are the the millionaire owners. You take care of everything. And unfortunately, a lot of the times, you know, maybe the U.S. wasn't ready for it yet. But, you know, owners were pouring money into these teams and they just weren't getting the return they were looking for. And so that on top of financial (laughs) issues caused it to to, uh, fold. And so... Ah, sorry. She was on the, uh, she's on the Pride, but she's on loan right now. It says in 2017, maybe so that this 2018 season, maybe she's back, but she was in Lyon. 
Uh, yeah, that's common for women's leagues. They to get competition throughout the year, you kind of move just around. move around. Yeah, I know a lot of players go out into Australia when the the U.S. league is out. Yep. Go to Australia, play there, stay there for a little bit, come back. Just because I think the league is shorter, just because there are fewer teams. There, yeah, because there are only nine teams. They play. I, mean, I think they only play something like twenty games right. or something like that. Right. So and which isn't really pro, that long. A pro player, you kind of yeah. be playing a little bit more. Oh, very that, cool. So, so it's actually the world. Yeah, yeah. And so for example, like she actually. She scored for Lyon, and they made it to the Champions League final for women's, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And um, a lot of players, like Al said, they do go overseas to play, like, another season after yeah. their season's over, just because the NWSL season is a little shorter. And they, just, they just hustle hard. Yeah, hustle hard. Yeah, I, mean, they gotta make a living. I always find it crazy, though, side note, that, like, players for the U.S. women's national team, they play so many more games than men do in the national team. So you'll have players who have, like, 300 caps for the national yeah. team and you're like yo like men yeah. if you get 100 caps as a man you're already like yo that's a lot yeah. but women they'll hit like 200 yeah. easy just because they play so many games yeah. yeah Alex Morgan has 85 goals from I mean 2010 United States like on yeah currently right now and then she had 5 goals for the United States under 20 team let's go Alex Morgan we just broke a rule a little bit but it's okay <laughs> Sorry. We're supplementing historical facts. Yeah, historical facts. (laughs) So the other thing that the NWSL did that was major and very different from what other past leagues had done is that they actually got into an agreement with Lifetime and created a historic partnership in 2017 where a majority of their games will be streamed on Lifetime. So that's huge. For any any league to have a, a television deal, is already big, but yeah. to have a television deal with a, a channel that is basically in everybody's home, making it so easily accessible, was huge for them. So that is something that I actually don't even know if the MLS has such a good deal. I, it's, it's different because this is a deal with Lifetime and, and uh, MLS has a deal with ESPN and Fox Sports, but I think that it's very, in terms of a more comprehensive deal, it seems to me I could do a little more research, but I think the NWSL has a better deal because the majority of their games are streamed on Lifetime. Every yeah. Sunday there will be a game yeah. from the NWSL on Lifetime. Yeah. And so that accessibility is very different than what other past leagues have done. Correction, the NWSL, they play a 24-game regular season, yeah. so still not still that much, short. but yeah. still relatively short. It was really great because I actually, I actually got exposed to the first time actually watching club-level professional soccer through this deal for women's I remember seeing I think it was Chicago versus I can't remember who Chicago this was last last year Chicago versus someone in, in like the quarterfinals semifinals of the playoffs whatever, whatever it was but that was kind of my first experience was and it was cool because it was just on a channel that basically everyone gets so you kind of I kind of got to get a taste of women's soccer through that where I think before this deal it was a lot more, more difficult to be able to watch um, a women's professional game that wasn't international level right like i had actually back in 2015 i went up to montreal because the women's world cup in 2015 was in canada mm-hmm. so i went up to montreal and we actually caught a brazil spain game up mm-hmm. there. it was really cool it was awesome to get to see it was really cool to support my country in a different way you know what i mean um but funny that you mentioned the way that you got exposed Wait, to what's your country brazil oh i didn't know if you were supporting the u.s or wait a minute, minute. <laughs> yeah I, I will say i think i actually do support i support the u.s women's national team more than i support the men's national team yeah um just because the men's national team have not been great and yeah. the w- u.s women have been the best national team in, in the country or the, in the world sorry but you know i can't not root for brazil yeah. so like, i didn't know which one yeah. you meant by that though no, it was really cool to get to go up to montreal and get to watch the brazil play spain it was yeah. an amazing game it was really really cool um but similar to what you said about being exposed to a game on lifetime i was over at my girlfriend's house last summer and randomly her mom had it on lifetime and i guess it changed to the game yeah. and then i went to the living room and i was like oh what is this and i was watching it was yeah. uh the washington spirit versus i want to say the breakers actually it was breakers versus washington spirit so i sat down and watched it. i was like oh boston breakers are on i'm yeah. gonna sit and watch it so it was cool you know what i mean like that exposure is so so crucial to the growth and the existence of the league that i think that super smart on their part to get that deal in place I don't know how much I love the idea of it being on Lifetime, but I, I want to ask you guys, do you think that what's your assessment of the deal with Lifetime versus if they had done a deal with a more sports-centric channel? Because for you, for those of you who don't know, Lifetime has a lot of Lifetime movies, a lot of like different things. It is Their demographic is geared more towards women, so I will point that out just for you guys to answer. But um, I think, well, looking into it, they have the Lifetime and they also have Go90. 
which is the streaming service, which mm-hmm. is free. Mm-hmm. If you, I mean, if you have Verizon, it's free, but also if you're connected to Wi-Fi, it's free, so you can stream games. Easier said than some Premier League games you can't even stream. Yeah, you gotta you find have like a, a bo- like yeah. Fubo TV. Like yeah. I don't want to start a seven-day free trial yeah. again. my sixth email. Yeah, right. <laughs> I gotta make burner emails every time I set it up. But um, honestly, I think just to be on TV and have a prime time slot that isn't interfering with or even competing with, like, if they wanted to get a spot on ESPN for that time slot, they would have had to pay more money maybe. So I think just getting on TV and having at least one game a week opens the door to, well, Lifetime. It's like, damn, like, there's a well, couple, like, a million people showed up for this game on yeah. Lifetime. Like, maybe next season we push that to be, like, maybe once a month we show a game on NBC Sports, yeah. and then that garners more. So I think it's well, in the right direction. Well, it's them paying. It's, you know, Lifetime pays them to have the TV rights. You know, yeah, and what, but but to your point, ESPN does regularly bump off games from ESPN one to ESPN two, and from ESPN two basically straight up to yeah. streaming, depending on what happens. So you know, you've had issues where MLS games were scheduled for ESPN two, and then they get bumped off completely. They just there aren't being shown. So what's your assessment? Yeah, so so my thing is, um, in terms of potential to get a larger fan base. Uh, I don't know if th- I have no stats on this, but I'd assume that men watch more sports than women. So I think that a, a being on a channel that's dedicated to sports, where the demographic is largely male, might might be an an opening to get more males involved in a sport. And because males watch so much sports in general, might be a good way to create a fan base, get more revenue for the league. Blah 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 blah. That being said, I think that the deal with Lifetime is good to expose if if it if its demographic is far more largely women, whatever it may be. I think it's a great way to get women involved and and create kind of more of a female following for the league, which I think is important as well to kind of create that female female identity for it. Um, Annie is kind of one of those channels where I if, if you often. I don't watch much television now, but I would often find myself kind of like, I it, it reminds me of when I was just a young younger kid, and it was just one of those channels that was always ended up being on for some reason. Yeah. Because of that, they had the random good movie that you wanted to watch, and then it just like was there in the background. So I think in terms of that type of exposure, it's good because if it's one of those things that just ends up being on, and maybe it captivates someone's um, captivates someone's interest, that could be great for it. And and in the end of the day. Having a deal is better than not having one. So, I, I do, I do like that point that you bring up that it could, if they were on a bigger channel network like ESPN, they could have just gone bumped off, and that kind of causes some confusion. If you don't have the whole package with ESPN, you might not be able to watch it at the end. Um, and I feel like the women's soccer league probably would have gotten bumped off a shit ton, right? Yeah, so, yeah, likely. So I think that for what it is, I think Lifetime's a good deal. It gives them some financial stimulus. Also opening the door to be uh, to be on a net a, a relatively large network and potentially, um, it it still allows them to show up on the sports search True. when you're going through and trying to find something to watch. What do you guys think about this deal? Let us know in the comments. But on top of the TV deal, another interesting thing that the NWSL has done that's very different than other past leagues is that a major half of all teams in the NWSL are actually owned by either MLS clubs or USL clubs. So. This is something that has been coming up recently in terms of the health of the league, especially because the Breakers folded, like we said earlier this year. They were an independent organization. They've been an independent organization for a very long time, but unfortunately they folded. They didn't have the stability. They didn't have a stadium. They were playing out of Harvard. They didn't have their own facility. They didn't have they didn't have much. Their, yeah. their, their organization was very bare bones, yeah. despite the fact that it's been fielding a team in one way, shape, or another for a very long time. This, uh, this kind of uh, conversation has been coming up because on top of the Breakers folding, another club last year which had the league's worst attendance, average attendance, FC Kansas City, w- ended up folding and the NWSL took all of its players, all of its contracts, all of that stuff and essentially gave it to the owners of Real Salt Lake and they created the Utah Royals. Yeah. So the idea behind this is to provide stability for a, a club in the NWSL by pairing it with an MLS club. Because basically one argument is that by give it, by having MLS teams control the NWSL teams, it gives them the staff 
the stadium, the all of the infrastructure that an MLS club has, now the NWSL club has. So it's just, it's a way of making sure that the league is more stable, is what a lot of people say. It has been a little bit rocky. Western New York's team, they won the title, but then right after the winning the title, they folded, and or I'm sorry, they were then sold to the owners of North Carolina FC, which yeah. is a USL team. And so it's a little sad to see that like a team just won a, na- a championship and they get sold. This idea of relocating teams is something I've touched upon. I hate the idea of a team relocating, but in this case, if it means that the league continues, I think I'm for it. But Yeah, so in terms of sustainability for a league, uh, we're seeing that the teams that are owned by MLS, by MLS franchises have a better chance at surviving in the, um, in the NWSL. But I kind of wanted to see with you guys if you think that that is the only way of establishing a healthy league right now. I think that I think the key part to your question is the right now aspect, right? I think that it's a young league. You know, it's only six years in. They tried to expand to ten teams. They finally had ten teams, and then one of them folded. So now they're back now down to nine, and so. I think that the key really is the right now aspect. I think that providing, by allowing MLS teams to own these franchises, it's, I don't want it to be, you know, this idea of just like a small group of people owning everything. It's not a good idea to have. But at the same time, if it provides this ability, I think that for right now, it is crucial for these teams to be under MLS operations or else this league would have folded similar to the WPS and WUSA. Um, and so I think that for right now, it's necessary. I don't think that it's it's the only way. I think that if a millionaire, a well-funded millionaire comes in and says, like, I want to be committed to this team, I'm going to make it happen. I think that's still a possibility. But I think that each individual case needs to be looked at. Each team needs to be looked at individually. You know, the Breakers didn't have infrastructure. They didn't have a stadium. They didn't have really an office, as far as I know. They didn't have much infrastructure there. So, you know, for them to fold, it was relatively easy, you know. And so I think each team needs to be looked at at a case-for-case basis. I just don't think that it should be – I don't want it to basically be MLS women's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want every team in the MLS to own an NWSL team. Right. I'd rather it be more organic than yeah. that. But for the sake of the league to exist, I say I'm for it. Yeah. Um, I like to look at our counterparts in Europe to this to which I believe most of the teams have women's, like their own women's league. Uh, and they, are they affiliated or are they so, owned? Uh, I don't know if it's most. Uh, you're saying all across across Europe. Yeah, across yeah, probably. Europe. Um, they are owned. I think every professional men's team, um, if there is a women's team, it's associated to the men's team. Um, it was established yeah. under the same umbrella. Yep. Um, but to Louis's point, I'm not sure I want that to be the only way. I, but you can finish your point. Yeah, I, I think it's imperative. I yeah. think they should just be connected to the team yeah. to create a one-for-all kind of camaraderie with, yeah. like, this is the women's revolution team and this is the men's revolution yeah. team. We're going to support both because they're under have, that yeah. same umbrella. And you have the fan base that's already there for the exactly. men's team. Like the Thorns. Right. So I'm going to steal... I was literally about to hop in there and steal your thunder, but um, I wanted to point out the Thorns because Portland Thorns, they... They have been amazing. They have been well supported, and, and this is a great callback as to a reason why Portland is Soccer City USA. Back to our last week's episode. Check it's that out be- if you haven't. It's because the people in Portland support both clubs so wholeheartedly. The Thorns have been averaging 17,000 and like 400 attendees per game in the NWSL. If you remember last week's episode or if you haven't heard it, Providence Park, where they play, only fits 22,000 people. And there was actually a game where they broke a record this past year in September. They had 21,300 people at a game. So, in other words, they sold out Providence Park for a National Women's Soccer League game. And it's to the point of having the Thorns be owned by the same guy who owns the Timbers and have it be a counterpart. As soon as they were brought into the NWSL, it basically inherited a staff of 130 employees, a, uh, a stadium, and an ownership group that is there to support, not to mention a fan base. So, for example, if it wasn't the same owner 
of the Timbers, he wouldn't have been able to play in, par- in Providence Park. The player, the people who support the Timbers wouldn't look at it the same way. They would look at it in terms of, oh, this is just another team in Portland. I don't know if I want to go support it. But because it's the sister club of the Timbers, everyone who supports the Timbers are like, yo, we love soccer in Portland. Regardless of sex, we're going to go support the Thorns. But as a, as a counterpoint, I think that Portland is an oddity, right? True. It, it's it's an outlier in a in a sport that doesn't really have that interest because going back to your point these teams in Europe have the women's teams but and they're and they're well s- supported financially blah 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 but still the NWSL has more attendance more attendees per game to watch the NWSL than any of these European teams do so although there is the financial support there isn't the actual fan interest in the stands in Europe, yeah, because maybe right. they're just so overshadowed. It could be overshadowed, but f- to the same point, if if um, I think Arsenal, Arsenal has a really good women's team. Arsenal has a pretty big fan base worldwide, but yet you almost never hear anything about Arsenal women's, even though they are relatively successful, right? So, if you're looking at the numbers versus what trickles down into the what, how many fans from Arsenal's fan base goes and support the women's league. I don't know if there's a correlation between having the MLS team as the financial backer or the support there actually relates yeah. to how many of them are then going to go and support the women's team. Just so because it is Soccer City USA, you'd think Right, I think that, that, that Portland is, is an oddity because the people there do love the sport so much, whether it's male, female, okay. regardless. I, I, but still, I, I don't want that to be a, a thing to say, oh, we have to connect every one of these teams to an MLS team for them to be sustainable. So now them. a counterpoint to your counterpoint. Orlando Ooh. Pride, they are the team owned by Orlando City. They have the second most, the second highest average attendance of all NWSL teams. So they average around eight thousand six hundred, I believe, uh, attendees per game. And they are, they've been fielding a super strong team. They have Marta. They had Alex Morgan. They have now Sydney Larue. They have a lot of big time players, and they've been not only sustaining that average attendance but they are the one of the first clubs that have been profitable since day one they didn't have to take money from the league the first year they didn't need that kind of stuff they've been profitable for the first season and the second season and and now they're they're entering their third season i believe and they've still been profitable Mm -hmm. averaging nine almost nine thousand people per game and their stadium also fits something around like twenty five thousand uh, people per. Or I'm they sorry, play in, about, in Orlando. They stadium. play in Orlando, yeah. the Orlando City Stadium, and so that is that other thing of of. I don't know if it's just Portland, right? I think that you are seeing that in Portland. It's it's it, it definitely is an oddity because they're averaging league high attendance. You know, yeah. at seventeen thousand people. That's crazy. To put this into perspective, guys, uh, crowds like the one in Portland is unheard of. They average. About so the exact number seventeen thousand six hundred and fifty three. That's more than fifteen NBA teams. That's more than thirteen NHL teams. Wow. And one and it's more than one major league baseball team. That what is major league baseball team, do you know? No, it doesn't say. Ah. But the fact that a women's soccer team is averaging more attendance than fifteen NBA teams and thirteen NHL teams, that shouldn't happen in America. Right? Yeah. It, by conventional standards. Yeah. You don't look at you don't look at um, no one consider used to consider women's sports unless it was in the olympics right yeah but as we've seen the u.s women's national team is by far the best national team in history three world cups they've been great historically even without a real league in the u.s for so long but that being said there's not really been established leagues in the world because they they all keep folding because the interest necessarily isn't there but i really love what alan said as a segue about the you know nwsl averages more than more average attendance than any other women's league in the world. Right. And so, to your point, you know, the, you have these teams in England who each have, you have these clubs in England who each have their own, uh, they field women's teams, but the support isn't there. For right. some reason in England, I don't think that people view, like, if you support Arsenal, I doubt you're going to, like, you might go to, to the Emirates to watch Arsenal men's play, but you're not going to go to the Emirates to watch women's play. I don't think that's a thing that, that people do. Now, I think that if you can create for some reason, it seems to work in the United States, where, you know, you have the Timbers with amazing support, and you have the Thorns with amazing support. You have Orlando City with amazing support, and the Orlando Pride have really good support. Um, and I don't know. I think that it's an interesting thing to see develop. So in terms of, of growing the league as a whole, 
to, to put it into a little bit more perspective, yes, they've been averaging, the, the Thorns have averaged more than these teams, but the league itself isn't far off from the WNBA. The WNBA averages about 7,700, average 7,700 attendees per game in 2017, whereas the NWSL, they average about 5,000 in 2017. And the other interesting thing to note is that since its inception of the NWSL, every year there's been an increase except for 2017 where the attendance was down slightly from 2016. So my that, that point is interesting to me because the WNBA doesn't have an association between men and women's teams, do they? Or I, there is some, some ownership that overlaps. Um, I believe I do believe the Lakers own the yeah they're the only WNBA team. That I'm, team. Think, I'm thinking of Phoenix for some reason too. I will say I don't know anything about the yeah, WNBA. I, I don't so I I just I just don't know. I don't think that there are that many. So to my point, it's like I don't want the women's league to be kind of like a piggyback of the men's league. Like I want it to be sustainable because people want to watch the women's league and not just because it's a trickle down effect kind of i don't want to downgrade the women's leagues and say like oh you need this male support right to because that in a sense it it is kind of like well you don't want to just have a women's team be able to come into fruition if an mls team comes into fruition right if there seems to be interest in some random city for a male for a, for a female team um, say say that this this um, combination of having an MLS team create be the foundation for what creates the female team I don't want that to be the base for which then new f- new female teams um, have to go through yeah. to be able to establish themselves as a team so if some random team in I don't Sacramento. even know Sacramento wants to wants to come to fruition but there's no MLS team there, so their chance of being put Popular. into the league or, or put into the league at all into the into the NWSL is is um, significantly cut. I find that a little bit um, detrimental to the league because yes, right now it really helps them, but in the future that could be something that as the sport grows and more people begin to watch women's soccer as a whole could really hurt them because. The women's league shouldn't have to live off of the men's league to survive. Yeah, that's a good point. So, what do you guys think the NWSL can do to continue this growth? So, in and this in this is a contradictory, not contradictory, but I think that what you're saying is right. For right now, I think that this MLS kind of partnership is necessary because it brings people, it exposes people to the women's league. But I think that there should be. And, and I, I don't know what the contract talks are, obviously, but I don't think that they should limit that in the future that only MLS teams are granted female teams. I think that it should be, you should be able to, it, to your point, Louie, independent owners should be able to establish a viable working plan, same way that, that any team like now LAFC. in LAFC, LAFC, Atlanta United, the, way these, the same way these owners presented these these plans to bring male teams to their cities, independent owners should be able to do that for female teams and have that be in consideration for um, growing the sport that way as well. What do you think, B? What do you what do you think is the the way to to? I am on still on the side of of I think the team should be together, but if if there were to be these single teams that want to come out of wherever they want to come out of, I think. Looking at like LAFC, brand new team, their attendance is skyrocketing. So you see these teams like the Thorns and the Pride have these fat attendance ratings. I think teams need to look to see what they're doing right. And then who's to say that... I feel like the reason Atlanta United got so big was because they had this huge following. It's a new season. They got fat stadium, all this. All the people are coming. I think that kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, that kind of pivot to seeing like, oh, this is a brand new team and they have this many people, yeah. I think that needs to happen with the women. Yeah. But, how do you, but how do you get the people there? So I think that we, we kind of touched upon this a little bit when we did the episode with the USF election and kind of the candidates. 
we touched upon women's rights and equality. I think that an issue that the women's league still suffers from dearly is the marketing of players, right? We see Alex Morgan. We see these these big women's players, but we see them in Team USA jerseys. Yeah. I don't see Alex Morgan in the Pride jersey. I don't see Sydney LaRue in the Pride jersey. I don't see these women being represented in their club jerseys really ever. And, well, so the thing is, uh, you know, we do live in Boston, so we don't see... You know, we don't see... I feel like those things might happen in their city. But, to that point, I've never seen a Boston Breakers billboard. I've and never and seen... And, and, and not even not even so much so that. Like, I think that the local marketing for it as well is something. But, um, say the Portland Thorns, they're what? Nike? Adidas? I, I don't know. They're I maybe think the Adidas. league has an agreement with Nike. If I go on the internet now, the way that Google knows how to track my life, and search <laughs> up Portland, Timber, uh, Portland Thorn... I don't think I'm going to get an ad that pops up in my Facebook page with an, with a, an image of um, the Portland Thorns star player saying, come buy tickets now. I'm going to test that out. I'm going to search up Portland Thorns, and I'll let you know next week about what happened. Right, because even in looking, doing doing research for the episode today, I had to do a bunch of women searching searching for for the NWSL and nothing I'm <laughs> doing a bunch of women searching um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not what you think Rach um, I had to had to do a bunch of research and I haven't seen anything pop up for women's soccer on e- anything like that right so it's that almost subliminal marketing whereas you would see that immediately for, for a Nike and if I search Christian Ronaldo I'd get his cleats pop up on my, on my on my browser everywhere I went right so I think there still is that lack of international kind of subliminal marketing that has to happen for these players and the clubs that they're in. I think your point is huge. I think that the the we like you said, we did touch upon this in the USSF episode, phenomenal episode. Go check it out. Um I think that it's it's a big point. It's a big part of it. You know, people love to support stories. So if you have a young star, if you have a budding star, you can play those stories through. And so Lifetime should be doing a little bit more. The NWSL should be doing a little bit more in terms of playing out these stories. You know what I mean? Look at how important LeBron has been to the NBA. Fucking despise LeBron. <laughs> I hate the fact that ESPN, the guy <laughs> will sneeze, and they'll put him sneezing as the number one like play of the day. It's just absurd. But that being said, the LeBron story has carried the NBA throughout his yeah. time in the league. It's made the NBA the second most popular sport in America. And those narratives are so crucial to... Uh, it's The reason why people love sports is the drama. So build up the drama. Build up the stories. And and the women's... The women's soccer league or the, the national team produces more young stars than the men's does. Because anytime you'll... Um, I'm... I'm guiltily I do not watch the women's national team that much but anytime I turn it on and see I see a highlight there's a new young star this new girl who's come up out of nowhere and she's scoring three goals a game right you have these young young players like Mallory Pugh and and like Lindsay Horan and you have all these younger players who are just lighting it up for the U.S. women's national team and they do play in in the NWSL and looking through the rosters of NWSL teams they are littered with potential young stars so to harp on it again, the NWSL, I believe, needs to play on those narratives of each of those players. Absolutely. Build I shouldn't up just see story. them in the U.S. Ma- the women's yeah. national team jersey. I shouldn't just see them being highlighted through that venue. I should be seeing them through their their local club. Yeah, because we already know the U.S. women's national team is a top-tier, right. Right. unstoppable force. Right. We want to see right. what they do yeah. during like their normal, their normal job. Absolutely. You know? So I have uh, some bad news. I looked up the, the Portland Thorns website, and it's actually just the Timbers website slash Thorns FC. So yeah. like, I don't like that. And yeah. all the only thing yeah. it says, it, it like, it's just an offshoot of their website. So I don't like that. It's yeah. like relegating and that's the problem it to that I'm seeing w- w- like that. I would I would imagine being the issue of um, only propagating women's teams through MLS teams is that then you become just this the little sibling of this male dominated sport. Yeah. Which it shouldn't be like that. I think that if if you are going to have a conjunction of uh, of teams under an umbrella, have them have their own still identity. That which they can is weird because you th- you would think that the Thorns do. They have their Absolutely. own logo. They have their own stuff. But if if I can't even get on their website and I have Absolutely. to go through the t- Timbers dot com slash Thorns FC, right. And it's the MLS websites are all linked together to other MLS yeah. teams. Yeah. So it's like same thing with the Pride. 
Same thing you with go the, to, pride, you go right? to pride. So that's that's not cool. They should have their. I I can sort of see why they're doing it because it allows you to see it through the MLS website. But you know, for example, the I, I see the idea being if I'm on the Timbers website, I might click on Thorns website. But at the same time, it's like I won't. If I'm on the Timbers website, I'm looking for Timbers information. Right. If I want Thorns information, right. I'm going to see Thorns information. They should be treated as separate entities completely. You should n- be able to n- find out that they're under this umbrella. But you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to go through the men's team to find out about the women's team. Right. But I think that one thing that we didn't mention about the thorns, and I know we're just harping a lot about the thorns in Portland, and it seems like we have a huge hard on for Portland. But we're just going to continue it. Um, the Portland Thorns actually have a supporters group, which I and I don't know if it's like again, if you listen to last week's episode, you know how crazy the people in Portland are. But I don't know of how many other organized supporters groups there are for other women's teams. Yeah. And that's a big, big portion of it because, you know, they are the ones who really, really drive attendance because right. they're the ones out there in the community talking to friends, bringing friends to tailgates, bringing friends to all of these things. Back to the original question of what do I think the NWSL can do to continue to continue its growth? I think one of the big ones is put faith in supporters groups, allow supporters groups to happen, create supporters groups. Yep. That is a huge, huge um, contributing factor to attendance. And... On top of also the narrative. But I think I want to end on this final question is, can the NWSL ever reach MLS levels of popularity? Absolutely. I, I think um, often overlooked, and it's an issue of this kind of marketing thing, is that um, it's like kind of crude to say, but m- men love the idea of following a really hot s- star, right? So... Any what? any guy knows any guy knows an Alex Morgan, right? But you don't get to see Alex Morgan play unless it's the women's national team. But I'm sure that you would get more fans if you this this it, if she was promoted through the Pride and shown more as a star. Um, the same way that women watch Cristiano Ronaldo just because he is uh, oh so beautiful, right? I'll beautiful. I'll admit that he is beautiful, man. I mean, him taking a shirt off this last night. Yesterday? For, for Ooh, school you see six-pack? It's amazing. Holy right? shit. So Eight-packs? It's, and it's not to sexualize these players, but it's it's not... it's it's not. Um, I think the point is that all of that builds the personal brand of each player. It right. continues that narrative. Right, and, and, and it's something that we harp on, uh, it seems like, almost every episode, is that you get fans because of big-name players and stars and the attractability of these players to... Um, to bring people in, right? So I think that there is a, if it's, I don't want to say lack of effort because I'm sure they're trying to put some effort into it, but there's a lack of exposure that I'm seeing for people to become acquainted, become um, acquainted, I don't I can't think, to become familiarized with these, these superstar players. So, but you know what's weird? Each of these players, Alex Morgan, uh, Mallory, like all of these big stars in the the U.S. Women's National Team, they have millions of followers on social media. Like I'm actually going to pull up right now. I don't know how many followers Alex Morgan has, but I'm going to pull it up right this second because I'm curious. Um, they all have millions and millions of followers. It shouldn't be... 5.1 million for Alex 5. Morgan. 5.1 million. It shouldn't be this difficult to get asses in seats in the NWSL if you can leverage your player's social media accounts. So it's like... Something is clearly wrong. I don't know if it's a cultural thing. So I do think that a big issue that we haven't really talked too much about is um, sexism and oh, just a hundred percent. We didn't talk too much issue. about it because to me it's not apparent. I to me I think that the, the NWSL's level of play is probably actually higher than some MLS games. There are games in the MLS that I swear to God I'll put it on TV and I will physically I just won't be able to watch it because it's not phys- like it's not appealing to me because yeah. I don't think they're they're not playing well tactically or whatever. Uh, to me, I've seen the U.S. Women's National Team play, and I thoroughly enjoy the soccer that's on the field. Regardless of women, men, whatever it is, I've actually enjoyed the soccer. So I think that in terms of level of play, the NWSL, uh, I, I do believe that it's probably a higher level than some MLS games. I'm not saying that the NWSL is better than the MLS in terms of level of play, but some games are. So to me, a big issue has to be brought up in terms of culturally do we accept um women to be like empowered to be athletes and i think that weirdly enough i think the u.s is further along than the rest of the world oh absolutely i think that as evidenced by the fact that in europe you have these big time players and big time like salaries but they don't attract many people to the stands i think that i do think it's just a matter of time and they have to just play their cards right you know 
having teams fold like the Breakers, heartbreaking. You know, like they've been around for so long and it's super important. But I think that people do care. Like, think about it. We we every I'm pretty sure every girl that I know has played soccer at some point or another. And it's the same way with soccer uh, for for boys. Every boy has played youth soccer at some point or another. And I I actually do think that women continue on further than men do in, in youth soccer. And so it's just a matter of build it up organically. Make sure that you're, you're, you're empowering these women to, to be who they are and don't just relegate them as, oh, it's just the women's league. And so basically the point is that we didn't talk too much about cultural, like the, the culture behind this, but I think that, that still needs a big shift to happen in a majority of cities. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, there, there definitely is a sexist issue that happens with any women's sport, right? Because we've seen... Uh, with the WNBA, they have phenomenal superstars, but uh, if we're being honest, no one cares. Like no one tunes into the WNBA, sadly, right? You, I don't know anything about it. I, you know, you know some of the big name stars when they show up on ESPN for a highlight, but you don't really, no one really tunes in to watch. I, I think that that's in part because of the way that there is a sex undertone that men's sports are somehow more attract, more attractive, more high paced, all of this stuff. Um, that needs to be changed. That's something that happens throughout time. I mean, the same way that people used to look down on men's soccer because it wasn't as physical as f- maybe American football or some other American sports. I think that happens with time. I think we're in a, in a good place now where that's beginning to happen. But also there needs to be an equality just in terms of the way that the women are treated um, compared to men, right? And we touched upon this on the USSF episode, not to bring, keep bringing that up, but I mean, these women have been more successful than men. They get paid less than them. The women have been more successful than the men. They play on artificial turf fields. Men get to play on grass. So there's both systematic sexism and and inequality, but also the way that we as a society see it. And that needs to be fixed. I think that the cultural point that you you brought up, something that slowly happens, but in terms of equality off the, off the pitch and, and kind of financially and all that stuff, that needs to happen immediately to show people that, hey, okay, they, there, there may be different levels of play here, but we're still treating these women equally to men, right? So I think that that, that, that change needs to happen right now, whereas the cultural thing is going to happen as people become more acquainted with the sport and acquainted with the superstars that are in the league. True. I believe that we are so capitalistic here in the United States that unless something isn't worth making a shit ton of money, it's not going to be brought to the front. We have the outliers. My question is, what makes soccer not profitable? Well, he's saying, I think he's saying in terms of just Just women's sports, if no one's showing up to watch them, eventually this subs- subsidization uh, is going to have to end, right? Because then you're just, you're taking money out. You're, you're putting in more than you're getting out. And from a ca- capitalistic standpoint, no business is going to run. Well, like but that. that's not true. Uh, to an extent, right? Orlando Pride, they've been successful since day one. They don't rely on, on money from the league anymore. So they've been Yeah, but overall as a whole league, do you think they're profitable? I do think this, this league is profitable okay. through their through not only the subsidies of, of the salaries, which, yeah. you know, that's that can be an issue of... Of, you know so so back to so now if we're paying women's players equally to men would the league be profitable across the board I don't know because I don't know these figures I don't know yeah. I do know that some MLS players don't make all that much yeah so I don't know but it's like one of those yeah because I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking right now they're they're subsidized but it's also but they're, sub- subs- they're only subsidizing the national team players but those national team players the Alex Morgan five point something million should be making a, a ridiculous well, amount no, of money five point million endorsements her but, salary yeah, but I'm saying salary wise like think of her compared to another player of her quality on the men's side she could fold a league by herself if they were to pay them equally that's sure. what I'm saying like yeah. if, you're, if we're then talking about equality between men men and women right that's where the issue becomes and I think that that's part of the reason why we don't see this equality is because like damn we're gonna have to pay the, the Alex Morgan the the Rapinos the the sitting the ruse the this equal caliber of pay that men are getting paid and that's gonna throw their their league into a little right but the issue is council. I don't think you can do that right now I don't think you can look at the league and say it's equal because you have to look at each one individually you can't mm-hmm. say that the money the NWSL makes is more than the MLS or more than the Premier League or whatever. You have to pay them what you can pay them. Right. And that was the issue of why the subsidies happen. But it'll be great in the future if they can get to a point where it's equal equal pay. Right. Um, Absolutely. But I, I do think that, I- that that issue of how much money do we pour in and how much money we get out, I think that soccer as a whole is super profitable. So I don't think that 
you know, I think it just needs to be managed well. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know if I agree with the idea that it's super profitable because we've seen even on the men's side a lot of leagues fail, right? So, and, and, and internationally, you think South America and Latin America, a lot of co- clubs are in a lot of debt. So I don't want to say that it's super profitable. I'm not sure I agree with that point. But I, I will say there, there is money in it. I just, I, I, uh, I, I agree with both of your points. I, I do think that there is a limit to it, but I do think that there, there is a profitability to it. It's, it's where does, when does that limit kind of break? And like, okay, do we think that this league is actually going to make money in the future for us? Or are we going to have to break this thing down? Right. Well, so I think that that's a point that existed in prior leagues. I think this league is pretty healthy going forward. Um, so to kind of wrap up, I think that it'll be an interesting. It'll be interesting to see the growth of this league. Um, it's, it's a little sad to see that last year's average attendance was down a little bit. Yeah. But I th- I'm sure that going forward, it'll be it'll continue to grow, and I'm excited to see it grow. Hopefully, they can bring back a Boston franchise because you know, like we said, we we were toying with the idea of buying season tickets for the Breakers, and then they broke. <laughs> but they broke, and then we didn't, and that was literally the week before. Um, they they folded. We were talking about it. So hopefully they bring back another Boston team. We can get the league if back. If we had here. bought season tickets earlier, we might have kept them alive. Now that I think. Oh, see, maybe maybe we could have been us. Uh, could have been us. Wow, we would have been game changers. But yeah, hopefully we see success in the league in in, in the coming years. Yeah, we wish nothing but the best. Yeah, absolutely. And tune in to, to more games on on Lifetime. Turn on Lifetime, people. On. Sunday afternoon, Saturday yeah. afternoon, turn on Lifetime. Keep watch, it on. Watch Big Fat Liar and then watch a women's <laughs> national team game. Or <laughs> NWSL game. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. Another amazing episode of Culture FC. It was really cool to get to do a deep dive on the NWSL and about what makes it different from past leagues and really get to see where it's been and where it's going. Uh, hopefully it continues its strong growth and it, and it becomes a, a, a force in, in American soccer. Be sure to tune in next week when we cover another amazing topic. And don't forget to leave us that five-star review on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you next week.